0: You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi.
1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we discuss using nootropics, biohacking, and nutrition to help you boost your cognition. My name is Eric, and we have an awesome show planned for you today with my guest, Sarah Kleiner, also known as the Carnivore Yogi. Sarah is the creator of the Carnivore Yogi YouTube channel, where she regularly posts content all about the benefits of the carnivore diet, recipes, stories from her journey, in and interviews with health experts. Sarah, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, this is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited to talk to you. I love your channel. I love the message you're putting out there. I love what you're doing. And, uh, and I think we're going to have a great convo. This is going to be fun.
0: Cool. Thank you. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. Before we jump into that podcast, just want to give a quick shout out to all the new listeners and viewers of the Holistic Nootropics channel. If you are new here, if you're Given a little sample, a little tasty taste, you're dipping your toes in for the first time, be sure to subscribe to the channel. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that little bell icon so you can get notified every single time a new video or podcast drops. If you are listening to this on the audio version, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review if you do enjoy what you're listening to. And if you don't enjoy what you're listening to, do that anyways. Give a five-star review because, you know, it's good to give. It's good to be compassionate. It's good to put good stuff out in the universe, it'll make you feel better. And if you are someone who is interested in finding the best quality supplements and nootropics on the market today, head on over to holisticnootropics.com and download a copy of my free supplement buying guide. This is a fully comprehensive guide that will walk you through ingredient by ingredient on how to find the best quality supplement products on the market today. Because as my guest today probably knows, there is a lot of junk being sold out there on the market. The supplement industry is a $100 billion industry, and most of it is junk. you got a lot of amateurs out there, fly-by-night operations. People know they can make a quick buck in the supplement world. So what they do is they have these kind of shanty, kind of junky supplement manufacturers. Manufacturing things and they put these fillers and preservatives, you know, they've done tests on a lot of supplements out there too. And they find that so few supplements actually have the product that you are buying in the product itself, which is just bananas. It's like buying a banana and it being like, you know, I don't know, uh, a grapefruit or something, you know? So uh, the supplement industry is a Wild West industry. So what I've done is I put together a free guide for you to find the best quality products and the ingredients in these products to specifically look out for, to make sure you buy the best stuff out there because you buy the best supplements, you boost your health, you boost your life, you boost your brain. So with that, let's jump into the podcast today with Sarah. Sarah, like I said at the outset, I am so excited to talk to you because- you have such an interesting YouTube channel. You have such an interesting like whole brand. And I am so fascinated by people who are doing these interesting things on the internet, you know, who are basically bringing in these alternative perspectives that kind of blow people's minds a little bit, you know, like, oh my God, a yogi who's a carnivore, like you can't even wrap your head around what that even means. So I would love to have you talk a little bit about, you know, what is your personal health journey? What brought you to yoga? What brought you to carnivore? And what brought you to the point of wanting to share all this with the world?
0: Yeah. Well, what really brought me to yoga was my daughter um, and she will be 15 in December. So it's been a long time that I kind of got into yoga. Um, she what had a severe regression at the year eight of one when she first turned one, um, lost all of her speech language, eye contact, just like snap of a finger, just gone. Like one day she's talking, the next day she's not. And that was kind of my red pill moment, I guess, that I was just like, wait a second. Like I did everything everyone told me to do. And now I'm in this situation with my kid and now I have to help her because she can't talk. She's got all these issues and she got an autism diagnosis, of course. And, you know, in the midst of all of that, of me trying to go through a health journey for her and then make changes for the whole family, cause there's, she's our only child right now. Um, I discovered yoga because it was very stressful. Like I was dealing with like the grief of, you know, thinking I'm going to have a child and have them be a certain way. And then now having a child that is completely different and has a ton of challenges, I've had to quit my job and it was really stressful um, to basically be, I never had planned on being a stay-at-home mom, but I left corporate America, the desk job, everything to be with her because I was like, she needs me. And so that's when I took my first yoga class because I almost had a nervous breakdown. We were also flying all over the country, seeing different doctors. Like I'm a seeker. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, if you watch my channel, you'll see, I try to interview a ton of people, get perspectives. I'm always like trying to learn more. And so she was a catalyst that was like there, I, I can't trust allopathic medicine anymore. I can't trust like the guidelines. I can't trust what we're being told because this happened to my child. And that again, sent me on this rabbit hole, but in the middle of going down this crazy rabbit hole, flying all around the country, seeing different doctors trying to help her literally, I almost had a nervous breakdown. And so I had always hated yoga people and thought they were weird hippie. Like what, I mean, I was so super conservative, straight laced, but at that point I was just willing, I was like shifting who I was completely, but then I was just willing to try anything at that point. And so I found um, a yoga studio nearby. It had to be super extreme, hardcore for me to be interested. So it was um, Bikram (laughs) yoga. Uh, So it was ninety minutes, one hundred and five degrees. You know, and that was the first time that when I was taking those classes, that I would actually feel some kind of peace, and that I was not feeling like super stressed and all this dread and all these feelings about my life. And so, in a lot of ways, I feel like yoga. And I would go like six, sometimes seven days a week. And it just it was like my therapy. It helped me to get through some really tough times. And then I decided I wanted to be a teacher. So my husband was like, well, you're not you can't go back to corporate America because I still need you know, you need to take her to therapies and be hands on. But if you wanted to get trained to be a teacher and pick up some classes here and there. Sure. So I became a yoga teacher, went to training and started teaching full time. Um, she went to preschool. Eventually it was going from like nine to three. So I would, the time when she's at school, I'm either teaching or practicing. So it became like a big part of my life was a yoga thing. And, uh, in that process, I became vegan. I was vegan for like two and a half years until mm-hmm. my health, like, <clears throat> cause I thought that was the healthiest diet, you know, and my health completely went down the drain dental problems, injuries that wouldn't heal, just a myriad of issues. I was the skinniest I'd ever been in my life. I was like a size zero and I'm I'm pretty tall. Like you don't wanna be a size zero when you have my body frame and my height, like not a good idea, it does not look good. And so finally, one of my yoga teachers took me aside and was like, yeah, I know what you're trying to do, but one of the, the first principle of ahimsa, which is non-harming in yoga, is actually that you don't do harm to yourself. And that's what you're doing right now by trying to be vegan. Like you need animal foods. And so I've been eating animal foods ever since like 2014. Um, But my health, you know, a lot of it was stress. Like we've been through a lot with my daughter. She'll be 15. She still doesn't speak. Um, She spells to communicate, but she doesn't speak. She has a ton of challenges and it's it's tough. Mm. So I think a lot of stress really does affect your body, even when you try to mitigate it. And then just, you know, kind of not perfect diet, I was eating mostly a paleo diet, but you know, even those things were starting to cause me issues. So in 2018, the end of the year, I was kind of bottoming out again with my health. Like I had a bunch of joint pain, inflammation, um, gut issues. Like I would get really distended, bloated, um, gassy, just horrible stomach issues. They diagnosed with me with IBS. Um, and then I was at the point where I couldn't practice yoga the way that I wanted to, because my joints were hurting so bad. And I knew instinctively that at 39 years old, that was not normal. Um, and so again, I started seeking more and a friend of mine who is a functional medicine doctor was like, Hey, uh, you know, I could do your labs. I could take you in as a patient. I could work some stuff up for you, but I think if you tried the carnivore diet, it would actually help with a lot of the stuff that you've got going on. And I was like, you're crazy. Like that's completely insane. Um, And I was like, hell no. And then I kind of thought about it and I was like, what else, what else am I going to do? Like I have tried all this other stuff. It's not working. So I said, I'll do it for 30 days. Um, After two weeks, I was back practicing yoga, pain-free, um, Gas bloating, everything was gone. And then after a month, I was like mentally feeling so amazing, like that. I was like, I'm just going to keep doing this um, because I feel so, I have never felt this good before. And that did it for total of two years, completely strict, no cheating, no nothing. And then the last year I've kind of played around a little bit with. Um, seasonal eating, adding in, you know, more ancestral foods. And I kind of go back and forth between strict carnivore, more so in the winter. And then when it's spring, summer, when there's more things out in season, I kind of am more open to experiment with those things. But I still definitely believe um, that diet helped me tremendously with just a myriad of health issues. And uh, so that's what kind of made me want to share with everyone, because I'm like, You know, number one, how many people have health issues that they could overcome if they try this? And number two, how many people are like stuck, you know, in this yoga dogma, like you have to be vegan, vegetarian in order to do yoga, be spiritual, any of that stuff. And that's total BS. Like you can do both. You can eat meat and you can have spiritual practices. Um, So it just I started my page kind of as a joke, my Instagram page like completely as a joke. And then people start, like it kind of blew up <laughs> and people were asking me questions all the time. Like, how do I do this? And, da, da, da. and so instead of just sitting there typing people's answers to questions all day, I decided to create a YouTube channel to just start answering a lot of these questions. And then that's kind of evolved into what it is now today.
1: Wow. Yeah. And it's like you said, you know, when you think about how many people are dealing With that same with these same problems, like as I've been in my own kind of holistic health journey and, you know, kind of gone down this road of, you know, podcasts and YouTube channels and you put yourself out there in Facebook groups, you start to realize just the sheer amount of people that are suffering with. Oh, yeah. I mean, gut issues are the biggest by far. And then those turn into like autoimmune disorders and chronic fatigue and joint pain and all of these things. And you're like, this is, I mean, this is endemic. This is crazy. It's like uh, the amount of people that are, you know, it's like, I look at people differently now. Like I walk down the street and I'll see like, uh, I'll see a pretty girl, you know? And I'm like, man, she's pretty, she's beautiful. She's got it going on. But I also think like, I wonder if she has IBS, you know, (laughs) whenever I, whenever I see pictures of like good looking people out at a bar, I just can't help, but think like they they probably have Crohn's or they probably have some (laughs) autoimmune or they probably have weird skin things. And you don't see that in the Instagram. No, you can't, but But when you live that kind of lifestyle, and I know that's not what you were doing, but it, 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 I know so many people now that, um, you know, I'm 40 and I'm, I'm like past that point of like, oh, my life's in the bars and the clubs or whatever. Yeah. And you, now you can see the aftermath of that kind of reckless lifestyle and now all those people are like oh my god i got to go to this doctor i've got this joint pain i got to go see this endocrinologist they're just going from doctor to doctor to doctor and then they have the nerve to make fun of you <laughs> you know yeah, they have the nerve yeah. to like make fun of you and your weird diet like you know, if you're the person, like I bring my own food everywhere. I don't eat out. You know, I yeah. ask the, I'm, I'm, I'm my grandma. I'm the person who asks the guy at the wedding, like, Hey, could you not put so much MSG in the thing? Hey, could you cook it with butter and not oil? You yeah. know, but you realize it's like those little things make the difference between Dude. waking up, feeling good and waking up in pain, brain fog, you know, needing five coffees just to get out the door in the morning.
0: Yeah, it does, I mean, and the thing is, like, you can get away with a lot of stuff in your 20s. But once you get into your mid 30s, I'll be 43 in June. Like once you start getting in your 40s, late 30s, like the shit hits the fan, honestly. And it's happening younger and younger and younger now. Like mm-hmm. I have people coming to me in their 20s now with stuff that people in their 40s are usually complaining about. Like it's it's happening quicker and it's happening to younger people. Um and it's like people don't realize that you have to start at a certain point kind of training for aging. That's that's how I look at it. It's like you're going to spend the majority of your life if you're blessed enough if you're lucky enough in middle age or older. And how painful do you want that to be? If you treat your body like crap in your 20s and 30s, You know, you're going to pay for it in your 40s, 50s and beyond, Um, and you will have a miserable existence if you get the blessing of living that long, if you don't get some sort of mitochondrial illness like cancer from breaking Mm -hmm. your body down and it takes you out early. So that's what I don't think a lot of people, people just kind of have this like Superman mentality when they're younger. And uh, it's yeah, it's (laughs) it's really catching up to people now.
1: Yeah. And and now that, you know, I'm a new father, my kid is three months old and I just, congratulations. Thank you. I think about this all the time. Like, like the amount of just dog shit that we put in babies right now. Oh God. I mean, if you need formula, if you need formula, I challenge you to go to a grocery store and look for formula Mm -hmm. and not want to take every single bottle of formula and just throw it across the freaking store when you start looking at the ingredients that are in these things, it's like soy, it's canola oils, vegetable oils, food, like, all this crap. You're like, no, I don't want this shit in my baby. My baby, like my baby's, my baby's pure. He's got this pure, you know, digestive tract. Like everything I do now is going to build on to like when he's one and then when he's two, when he's, and then it's like, you start the kid off and then, all the freaking bottles are plastic and you don't want to feed your kid cold. So you Mm -hmm. want to heat it up. So you put dog shit formula into a plastic bottle, you heat heat it it up and now you're sucking down dog shit formula with hot plastic BPA. And even if it's BPA, it's like, well, there's a whole suite of other plastic crap that goes right into the thing, right into the formula. And then, you know, okay, fine. You don't want to feed your kid that stuff. Well, then the mom's going to breastfeed. Well, a lot of moms now have a hard time breastfeeding because they've been so um, polluted with all of these chemicals. You know, they, a lot of moms have a hard time making milk. The stress robs the milk from the baby. Um, And then if you do, if you are able to produce the milk, what is the mom's diet? Like, you know, at that point, like the mom's diet has to be so dialed in to make sure Mm -hmm. the kid gets the right nutrients. So it's like, like you said, we're seeing this in kids. We're seeing this in 20 year olds. Well, yeah, when you look at the stuff that the kids have to eat out there, and then okay, then they start eating solid foods, they make it to three, four, five years old. Look at the freaking baby food that's out there. Look at the that's Gerbers, terrible. look at all that crap. It's like, what are we doing with kids? And then, yeah. you know, the I, I've been thinking so much about this. So I'm sorry for the rant, but like <laughs> It's like, then what do you do? Well, the parents are so stressed, like you said, you know, it's like, if you're going to work a corporate job, then you got to take your kid to daycare. And the daycare people, they don't give a shit about your kid. They're like- Well, now
0: they're like, with the kids at daycare, they're like making them wear masks and putting hand sanitizer (sighs) on them. And it's like- why are you trying to destroy my kids social skills and their microbiome? You know, their microbiome. it's, it's insane. Like do not ever allow a child to use hand sanitizer. It's like the worst thing you could possibly allow. It's, it's crazy. So, and yeah. And then you think about school, I'm like, now you got to homeschool because kids yeah. are being brainwashed with all it's just, yeah. The, we could talk about this all day because they're being yeah. brainwashed and then they
1: go to the cafeteria and their brain is being, I mean, just washed oh, yeah. out completely with whatever oh, yeah. the food is that they put in there. And then, Serve, Hey, yeah the kid's, the kid's metabolism is going crazy because he's just been eating sugar, you know, yeah. all day. So it's like, okay, well, you got to get a snack. Well, thank God there's vending machines with all kinds of, you know, snacks available for God forbid, we're not going to let the kid have sugar or all of these, right. you know, toxic things. So um, to bring it back to what you were saying, it's like, of course we see all of these issues. Of course we see type two diabetes in yeah. 15 year
0: olds. Yeah, we're seeing you know? PCOS in young girls that haven't even gotten their cycle yet. I'm like, how is that an eight-year-old got PCOS? Like, wow. how is that even a thing? It's, it's literally happening now. And it is a direct result, I believe. I mean, there's so many things, like even when you go back to talk about babies, Look at diapers, look at the ingredients in the diapers, oh look at the ingredients in the wipes, look at the ointments you're putting on your baby's skin, that's endocrine disruptors, yeah. that we start disrupting their endocrine system from the time that they're born. And most people, like I said, with the, when this happened with my daughter, that she regressed, lost her speech, everything was gone. That's when I was like, holy shit, I've been poisoning my kid. I listened to everyone that said, this is safe, this is safe, this is fine, this is fine. And they were full of it. It was wrong. And, you know, it's once that you go through that kind of experience, you just don't see the world the same ever mm-hmm. again. And people can call you you know, I've been called a witch, a her- you know, heretic, whatever. Yeah. I don't give a shit because this yeah. is my life and it's my story. It's what happened to me. I know tons of other people, same situation, same exact thing happened. And so when is it when are people going to wake up and actually be willing to listen to people like me? When are they going to do that and take the freaking wool out of their ears, you know, and get their head out of the sand and stop just trusting blindly all these regulations and all these. Oh, this is the safe. Um, you know what? No, it's not. <laughs> you can't trust that anymore. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And the yoga component is so interesting to me because I, you know, I was, I, I don't have a similar story, but I, you know, I was, uh, I got really into yoga, uh, some years ago. And then I also went vegan, like eh, for like a year and a half, almost two years. And I was like, not just strict vegan. I was like annoying vegan. I was like blaming everybody for
0: sprouting. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I used to live like right next to, um, this, uh, this, uh, 24 two 24 hour, like fruit and vegetable markets in Astoria, Queens, New York. And I would just like roll out, you know, like, you know, come home at like two in the morning from being out and I'd stop in and I would just get giant stocks of kale. And I mean, they had like this (laughs) broccoli, it was insane and spinach. And I mean, just massive carrots. And then in the mornings I would make these just insanely huge um, smoothies. I know I was, I think I was talking about yoga at first. I got carried away on this, but the point is, is that (laughs) I was, I was, I was vegan and I was like, see, this is cool, man. Cause it's like, vegetables are healthy. And it's like, yeah, of yeah. course, like, the more vegetables you get, the better you are and the better you do for the planet. And wow, look at me. wow! And, and then I was just, I was literally like, if you, if you know, a Vitamix, I was basically oh, yeah, a Vitamix yep. <laughs> all the way to the top like
0: all the way to the same thing. (laughs) And it was
1: like just insane, like two or three giant stocks of kale and and all this crap. Right. And all of a sudden, like I wasn't consciously thinking my health was falling apart because like, Oh yeah, I feel great. And I got like these bags under my eyes and my skin is just cracking, like painfully cracking. Mm -hmm. Um, And the worst was I would start, I was going to the gym and I was working out and I would do dips. And uh, this thing would happen where I would do dips and then like my chest would just pop. And then it started happening in yoga (laughs) class where I'd just be in yoga and it was like pop. And it was so loud. Like you could hear it across the room, but I was like, nah, I never even thought like, Oh, it's, it's the diet, you know? Um, and then also I had this thing where my tongue always felt like it was burning and I didn't know what that was. And I, and I talked to this doctor on a podcast just a few weeks ago and she was a, she's a neurologist and she was saying like her B12 deficient patients, they get like burning in their hands and feet. So I think it was like, I had a severe B12 deficiency too. So all this like culminates to where it's like, one time I was in Mexico with a friend and, you know, we just go out to this restaurant and I was hammered and I just went to, it was like an all you can eat, like meat and pork. And all was, I just went to, I just cleared plates and plates of meat and fish. Like my body, I was on another level where my body was like, don't even think dude, just there's do dead it. animals everywhere. <laughs> do it, do it. You were the worst person ever. I was like, I don't even care. Oh. And I, and actually my skin cleared up like literally overnight. It was, it was crazy, but, um, yeah, I I can totally relate to this, to this, like this diametrical thing in your mind where it's like, I'm compassionate. I love animals. I don't want things to be killed. I I love mercy. But then you're like, but my body needs to be healthy. So like, what, you know, what do we do?
0: Yeah, I couldn't even do chaturanga anymore because my shoulders would pop out a joint like mm. <laughs> and I'd go get body work done. And he's like, I've never seen anyone's shoulders pop out so much. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why it's doing this, but I had no muscle to support myself to do these poses. And then it just they would just break down like it was terrible. And I was just my shoulders always hurt. And uh, yeah, when I started eating animal foods, I can do all kinds of, you know, chaturanga, crow, handstand, all the things with no pain, no pain, no problems, no injuries. And I can build lots of muscle. Couldn't build muscle to save my life as a vegan. It just I just couldn't do it. Um, So I don't think people talk about these things enough. I think a lot of the the vegan, you know, huge influencers on Instagram. You can hide health problems you don't see their blood work you don't have i mean you don't understand a lot of these influencers have people doing their makeup their hair professionally touching up their photos like doing all this stuff oh i'm healthy like yeah what's the like what's the real story here what's really going on um not to say that there's nobody that could ever you know ever do vegan and be okay i do know a couple people that have been all right with it but i think it's pretty rare um it's it's the exception and not the rule in my opinion mm-hmm. yeah well there's definitely
1: um there's a i had an interview with i interviewed this guy he runs the dna company his name's caution Khan, and they do um they do like these kind of fully comprehensive like dna analysis and he was talking about there's um there's some genes that you have that they actually have a specific coding for B vitamins and mm, of course yep. like B vitamins are rich in meat and some people they just they they have um, they have more of a need for animal products than others they have more of a need yep. for like natural bioavailable B vitamins so these people who don't have that that need for it, I think you can get away with, with a plant-based diet, you know? Um, but most of us like need, you know, we need like the riboflavin, we need the B12, we need the B6, we need all that, all that stuff that comes with, um, and not to mention the, the bioavailable protein with all the amino acids and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, there's definitely people out there which is why I I don't, I'm not crazy about, you know, like, Hey, nobody should be a vegan. Like, yeah. Like if you feel, if you feel it and you're feeling good and you're thriving and you're building muscle and you, and you're not having skin issues, like if you can be honest with it, um, then do it, do it feels right. But
0: yeah, do it works for you, but it just didn't for me. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I don't, prescribe a diet or say everyone should do a specific diet i don't believe that at all because we all live at different latitudes we all have different haplotypes we all you know it's not so simple as just everyone do this diet like we're all very different and again the genetics definitely come into play where you live comes into play someone in costa rica should not be eating the same diet as somebody who lives in canada Just plain and simple. There's, there's a lot of science behind that. And so when somebody is like, everybody needs to do this diet, I'm like, not really. Like, it's not that black and white. People want that black and white thinking they're attracted to it because it gives them certainty, but Mm -hmm. it just is not, it's not a thing
1: (laughs) in my opinion food is the most like personal thing. I think that we have, you know, where it's like, people are very defensive about their diet. And at the end of the day, it's like, why would I listen to somebody tell me what I should eat when I don't even like that stuff? You know, like uh, I've had some, you know, I have a, a friend who's, she's very, um, she's a little more kind of on like the I don't even know how to say it, like, not like the hippie dippy side, but very like she, you know, the way you feel and that sort of thing. Right. And she actually makes a great point where she says, like, you know, um, animals have this thing where they just kind of know what to eat. Like an animal doesn't like right. look at what it's supposed to eat and go, well, that's not my, that's not on my diet. That's not vegan appropriate. That's not carnivore appropriate. That's not paleo appropriate. That that's not key. that's gonna spike my blood sugar. I don't need. They're like, right. I eat rabbits. so I'm gonna eat that rabbit. I eat yeah. gazelles, I'm gonna eat that gazelle. I eat you know plants, I'm gonna eat that plant. And they also go up to these things and they they sniff it and they know like that's good or that's not good. Right. And I think we also have that ability, but we're just so we're just so perverted with all of this other stuff on top of like our innate intelligence that we overthink it, you know? Yeah, we And do. it's like, it's like if fat feels good, like when you cook some, when you cook a steak and butter, it's effing amazing. You put yeah. salt on it. Like that's all you need. Right. And yeah. it's not even, it's amazing because I'm like, because it hijacks all of my senses, like, you know, like a, like a birthday cake. will, you know, like a donut will, but it's like in my soul, like a steak cooked in butter, you just feel like, Oh, that's, that's right. That's the good stuff. And some people have that with plants. Some people like, I I also love salad. Like I'll eat a salad and I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know? Yeah. But it's like some people, like they fight that so hard and we've really become so disconnected from our own instinctual behavior that, yeah, people are just so confused on like what to even do with diet.
0: Overthinking is a huge disease. I feel like, you know, that's one of the things I get these messages on Instagram sometimes that are literally like 10 paragraphs long of people like, well, and then I'm like, chill out. Like you are way over complicating this you're way overthinking this and i think people again kind of get lost in like the mysticism of a specific diet you know like somebody the other day post like commented on one of my posts because i i was drinking milk or something like that and they're like mm-hmm. oh doesn't milk throw you out of ketosis and i'm like i don't care like <laughs> <That> <laughs> or like crazy. doesn't dairy make you gain weight and i'm like well if you eat in a calorie surplus it will but if you just Eat your body's energy requirements, dairy is going to do the same thing as, you know, that it's not going to make you gain massive amounts of weight. If you eat dairy, you still have to eat the same amount of energy that your body requires. If you overdo it, yeah, you're going to gain weight. Dairy is easy to overeat. So yeah, that's why people say it's going to make you gain weight, but there's nothing inherent about just having a piece of cheese that's going to make you blow up and gain 10 pounds. But people put this like mysticism around the carnivore diet that it's like, oh, this is, you know, I'm like, oh my God, y'all need to stop overcomplicating stuff. The law of thermodynamics is still a thing. You know, we still have to account for energy and energy out. Um, And it's not magical or mystical that you can go and eat 10 pounds of beef and not gain weight. Like you, you can gain weight doing that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. And then it causes people just to, to overthink things completely.
1: And metabolism, it's not linear, you know, even this idea of thermodynamics and calories in calories, out. like I, I really, I, I know there's people who like, and I know there's truth to it. Like, obviously like I fasted for seven days, one time I lost 15 pounds, right? Like I get that there's, there's a lot to that, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's way more complex than that because it, uh, people really undersell like the power of circadian rhythm. For instance,
0: yeah, I was about to say that was my big, like aha moment that put me into the quantum world last year was that I was like, had gained about 20 pounds in 2020 and I didn't change anything about my diet. Like I really wasn't overdoing it. Um, I was staying indoors never seeing sunrise. I had terrible circadian rhythms, didn't know anything about blue Mm -hmm. blockers, how to protect my eyes. My skin was my vitamin D was like a 33. I never went out in the sun. And I was like, something's got to give because I'm trying to macro track and calorie track and do all this stuff to lose the weight and nothing was working. And so that's when I met Dr. Cruz and started kind of diving into that world and ended up losing 30 pounds by basically dialing in circadian rhythms, by going outside and getting sunlight on my skin. I got my vitamin D up over a hundred by like September with no supplements. And that's when it kind of turned around for me because I didn't have to calorie track and be crazy about fat protein and da da da. And I was able to lose the weight and it wasn't super hard. Once I started to understand circadian biology and and quantum physics, it was like, whoa, like I've been overcomplicating this shit for my whole life, you know, and and most people are.
1: Mm-hmm. What What do you mean by quantum physics? Can you explain that?
0: Understanding things like grounding, understanding how my body is a battery and how when I'm exposing myself to like non-native EMFs and when I am um, doing things to slow down my mitochondria, just understanding more about mitochondrial function, that's what I mean more by quantum physics. Just it's these little tiny changes that you make that make these huge differences in your life. I mean, I started studying deuterium and I even did Mm -hmm. like 90 days of deuterium depleted water, which was Mm. a pretty cool experience. Um, So that's what I mean more by the quantum physics side of things got you yeah, yeah it you know it's like that like that
1: is a huge part of it you know like the negative ions from grounding yep. and the light i've been so into thinking about light recently you know red i do red light almost every day yeah, um same. you know in puerto rico i get outside i try to get some good like two o'clock in the afternoon sun on me you know at least once a day um it, because what we what we forget is we're talk, like people get so stuck on biochemistry, you know, mm-hmm. we're so stuck on molecule and most people don't even understand. Like I barely understand. I'm taking biochemistry right now. Like I've taken organic chemistry and this stuff is like still so complex. Right. But we're so stuck on biochemistry, on this molecule, this amino acid, this mm-hmm. fatty acid, right? This mm-hmm. carbohydrate, this glucose, whatever, right? And that stuff is important. But when you go the next layer deep, you realize that these elements are made from atoms. And at the heart of every atom is electricity, protons, yes. electrons, neutrons. and neutrons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of those things only work based on Electricity, and yep. you know, the biggest form of electricity is light. So, yep. what is your light situation? And then knowing that you have diurnal patterns in your body that hey, in the morning cortisol goes up and then it goes down, and then it eventually you, you start converting serotonin into melatonin, and yep. then you go to sleep. Like, this is how crazy, right? Like ancestral health, this is how we were programmed for two million years, and in a hundred yep. years we just threw it all out the window, yep. right? So then you start to think like, well, then the diurnal pattern is a real thing. Electricity is a real thing. Well, now we have to start talking about metabolism because all of this is gonna affect how your cells actually utilize fat, how they burn fat, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, so like when people do this thing where they go, I'm tracking my macros, you know? And they're like, how many carbs did I have? How much Mm -hmm. fat did I have? It's like, well, what time did you eat all that at?
0: Right, because Because if you eat at night, That's when your body temperature is at a place, your blood pressure is at a place that you can't process that food as well as you can as if you just eat it in the morning. Like I have the hardest freaking time convincing people to eat breakfast. And if you want to fast, skip dinner. That's how you do it. Because Mm -hmm. if if you're trying to lose weight, stop skipping breakfast, stop drinking black coffee (laughs) and skipping breakfast, especially women, you are just ruining your body. Like by doing that, you are really screwing up your hormones, especially women. I get mostly women in their forties, fifties that come to me that are in perimenopause and they are just the most hardest time losing weight, hardest time with weight loss resistance. And I'm like, let's talk about, how you're eating. Oh, I'm drinking black coffee and doing a hit workout at, you know, six in the morning <laughs> under blue lights in a gym. I'm like, holy, sh- are you kidding me? No, stop, right. stop, stop, stop. Sleep until sunrise. If you can go outside for sunrise, have a nice big fat protein breakfast in the morning. Let's get your leptin turned around. Like stop eating after sunset. Do not eat a bite after sunset. Cut it off earlier. If you can like, Flipping those things around and then not having to track every single little bite that goes into your mouth, that's gonna make a huge difference. But it's like they kind of don't believe it. They don't, no. I don't think they wanna believe it because they've been so brainwashed by like this whole intermittent fasting keto thing that they're like, no, if I eat breakfast, I'm gonna be hungry all day. I'll eat more, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you might for a couple of weeks while your body is adjusting, but I guarantee you it once you adjust to it, you're actually gonna start losing weight. But it's, it's hard to convince people of that. It really is.
1: Yeah. Because we've been so programmed to think like breakfast food is sugary, carbohydrate oh, yeah. it's like you walk around, it's like, I have to have a bagel, mm-hmm. you know, I have to have a, a donut or like, yeah, you you get the people who are just hardcore intermittent fasters, you know, you yep. know, uh, keto coffee people. Oh God, the Bulletproof um,
0: coffee. I'm like, please don't do that. Please stop drinking coffee. coffee. Like I quit drinking coffee a year ago and it's been, Huge for me, like absolutely huge as far as my recovery rates, my HRV has doubled, like interesting. So many things have improved for me. And I'm actually a fast metabolizer. I had my genes um run by Dr. Anthony J. He actually does genetic um counseling for special forces. Like he's he's genius. And it was just an amazing, like eye-opening session. And I'm like, I'm a slow metabolizer. He's like, No, you're fast metabolizer. Caffeine doesn't stay in your system for very long. Like, well shit, it still affects me, you know, Yeah, but yeah. So there's still a cortisol effect that happens if you're just drinking that coffee first thing in the morning, you're not eating, you're not seeing sunrise. Like you're setting yourself up for disaster.
1: Yeah. And and especially women too, like women have, I mean, just a hormone cascade, right? Like a hormone Mm hailstorm that happens every single day. And it's like, you have to, you have to dial that in First thing in the morning. Otherwise yep. it goes it goes crazy. And you know, the the first thing to go is the thyroid, right? Yep. And when the thyroid goes, it's like, yeah, you you're just of course, like so many women have this chronic fatigue issue. They feel yep. just like run down, worn out, and like the, the slightest bit of stress just sends you off the rails. You can't yep. sleep at night. Um, and I I think women, men need this because men, men have testosterone issues too, right? Men are yep. a whole other story, but women. Yep. I find like, yeah, you have to do that breakfast. Like you, yeah. like I know, a, I know a girl, she's actually 43, 44, I think. Um, she, she follows, you know, like this paleo kind of Rob Wolf diet, which I think is great. I think that's a lot of great stuff there, um, yeah. but she's hardcore into intermittent fasting mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Cause now mm-hmm. she's having like these issues. She's like, I just feel this burning like in my, I don't know if she says it's in her chest, but she feels like a burning somewhere in her body. Oh, and, oh no. It's tremor. She feels tremors. Oh, that's uh, not often. good. No, that's not good at all. And it makes you realize like, yeah, your body is not physiologically set up for like mm-hmm. what you want to do. Um, mm-hmm. This thing, I get it. Like I intermittent fast, like I, I like to go to like a 16, eight type thing, mm-hmm. but I've discovered like my body works well with that. I can fall asleep very easily at night. Yeah, Yeah. maybe my sleep might be a little bit better if I did this, but my sleep is fine um, for the most part. And of course I could probably experiment and do separate things. But like when you start to feel physical symptoms and it starts kind of robbing your like way of life and and you're in pain or you're experiencing, you know, like perimenopause symptoms or, you know, all these things, it's like, especially for a woman, it's like, hey, look, like, You really need that protein fat in the morning. Like you have to start with that. And it's actually shocking when you have like a really fatty, protein-y breakfast, you actually are not hungry for a long time.
0: It stabilizes your blood sugar throughout for the day. If you start with a donut, yeah, you're going to be hungry all day. You're going to constantly be wanting to snack that whole day. It wrecks everything. But if you (laughs) literally have a nice fat protein breakfast, it's going to, you know, kick all those hormones off where there's, and you see sun, like sun is a big part of that too. You still need sunrise and UVA light. But if you do that in combination with a nice big fat protein breakfast, your whole day is going to be different, you know, Mm -hmm. and you're not going to be hungry all day. You're not going to be snacking all day.
1: Yeah. I just, it's crazy to think like how much cereal I ate mm. when I oh, was. A same
0: because we're this, about the same age. I'll, I'll be 43 in June. But yeah, it was like a kid growing up in our area. It was like Lucky Charms and Special K. And like we would ha- we'd have like six or seven different types of cereal and then with mm-hmm. skim milk, of course. Yep. And then you like mix them all together and you'll eat cereal for dinner sometimes because your parents are working. And, you know, we're like the latchkey kids so would have to kind of figure out our own thing for dinner. So it's like cereal, of course. You know, it's a cereal like twice a day yeah yeah, and they it's still like what have it grew up on. yeah they do i was like no that does not come in my house
1: no it's and it's like it's like okay so then that transfers you well you're an adult now so you don't eat cereal so what do you eat in the morning muffins oh, you know god, it's like yeah. Oh, I, bagels <laughs> yeah I eat bagels you know and there's people who do like when i lived in new york and you just walk down the street and you see all the bakeries oh god and it's like in the window it's like all the bread it's just so mm-hmm. much bread i mean yeah. just from the get-go Um, and personally, I mean, gluten obviously is a problem for many people, but I feel like gluten is almost like the last thing I worry about with. Yeah, same. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's the carbohydrate, it's the timing of the bread. It's like the, it's, it's like all of like the filler stuff, the bleach, mm-hmm. the, you know, like just the whole gamut of stuff. And it's like, when you look at the ingredients of bread, like I made a video about this a long time ago, it's like there's sugar and like, they put sugar in like whole wheat bread, you know, yeah. like, all like several different kinds too. Right. So it's not just like sugar. It's like the corn syrup, the dextrose, mm-hmm. the, you know all of those different flavors of the rainbow. Um, and, and then at the end of the day, you're like, well, I, I don't even like bread. It tastes like crap to right. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's like the gluten thing too. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have so, um, like six leaky gut genes, so I don't even mess with the, <laughs> with bread at all.
1: Yeah. And then, and I'm sure you probably get a lot of people who are like, you know, I've got the gluten thing, you know, especially going back to the thyroid thing, like the gluten thing is like the worst thing for the thyroid. And it's like women, bread is so devious because people, it's like, you tell them like, you can't eat bread. It's like, they can't not eat bread. Yeah, You know, I I have a friend, I'm like, if you just didn't eat bread, you would probably lose 20 pounds.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yep. And he's like, I can't, I can't
1: eat breakfast and not have like toast. Oh my gosh.
0: I can't <laughs> think about having, I haven't had bread in so many years. It's just like one of those things we just don't do. Like even my husband is like, he won't get sandwiches anymore. Like we used to have sandwiches and stuff. He won't do it. Like he, he's good about getting naked burgers and stuff like that. Like I've kind of gotten him on my wavelength now, which is awesome. But that's great. yeah, we don't even consider bread in the house.
1: Yeah. And that, yeah, that's the other thing too. Sandwiches, right? Like, yeah. I love like when these vegan doctors come out and they're like, see, here's a study about people who eat cheeseburgers and you know, this and that. It's like, you realize the cheeseburger is two parts bread, one part right. meat, right? Like right. you realize, and one part cheese, but it's, yeah. it's more bread than it is meat. Right. So like, what are we talking about here? And
0: then are we putting mayonnaise that has like seed oils and all kinds of other sauces that have seed oils on them also? And what's the meat cooked in again, seed oils. Like it's not the, it's not the beef at all. That's, that's causing these issues. It's all the other crap.
1: Yeah. That's the interesting thing about burgers too. Burgers and, um, like any meat that's cooked is like, they never take into account what is the meat cooked in? Yeah. Cause you go to oh, any yeah. restaurant, most restaurants out there, it's cooked in some kind of vegetable oil. oil. Yep,
0: exactly. Yep. And yeah, it, I, that, like we eat at home for pretty much everything. Like you are saying, like you bring, just bring your food. That's what I do. My sisters are used to like, if we're going out to dinner somewhere, I usually either bring my own or I eat before we go. And I just get water with lemon or something to sip on. And I've even started, I'm so psycho about water now, I've even started bringing my own water. <laughs> so yeah, cause I'm like, yeah. oh, now I've like learned about water and easy water in the body. And I'm like, oh, my water has to be structured, spring water, Quinton minerals, like <laughs> it's like psychotic, but, but you, I just but feel better that way.
1: Yeah, but you know, like the thing is, is you don't have to rely on the pharmaceutical industrial complex to make exactly. you
0: I haven't taken any, I I was like on SSRIs at the age of 14. I was on SSRIs, Ritalin, started taking Trazodone for sleep when I was like 18. I was on like five or six different medications up until like my mid thirties. And it's been almost seven years that I've not taken a single thing for anxiety, depression, sleep. You know, I don't take medications and that is literally because of my lifestyle. And I know that I know it's what I eat, what I put in my body, how I treat myself. I don't need those things. My sisters, I love them both to death, but they are both on medications for depression and anxiety. You know, I'm going back to my genes again. Yeah, I have several genes that are like (laughs) Dr. J was like, yeah, you have the anxiety gene. I'm like, oh, okay, that explains a lot
1: (laughs) I didn't know there was a gene for that. I yeah, thought it was there's called a, being Jewish.
0: No. Well, my husband, but uh, there you go. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, clearly not Jewish, but it's clearly not Jewish married into a Jewish family. So I can, smart I can girl. Vouch, I can vouch for that uh, anxiety yeah. thing, but <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely genes for that. I thought it was, I thought I had an alcoholism gene. Cause I'm such an addict. Like I get addicted to things so easily. And he's like, no, no, no. That's an actually, you don't have alcoholism gene. You have an anxiety gene, which makes you prone to addiction because you're prone to self-medication. I'm like, oh,
1: that uh, makes sense. Yeah. 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 So interesting. Yeah. Yep. It's like these, these, when you start diving into the that's again, why like individualizing your own diet and you can't yep. listen to people you don't know on yep. the internet because it's exactly. like, exactly run your genes, where are you at? Like, what do right. you, what should you be playing to, you know, play to that and you'll probably, yeah. you'll probably be better. I mean, you know, going back to like this thing of like, yeah, you feel a little crazy because you have to bring your food with you or like, you know, you have to eat before you go out with people to a restaurant. Like, um, I have a family member who's like that, like she had serious Crohn's disease and like for, a uh, like she went down to like 90 pounds, you oh know, gosh. as like a 60 year old woman and like very scary. Right. Yeah. And she luckily found like a, like a holistic nutritionist who actually got her going on, um, a hardcore, like kind of carnivorous diet yeah. and w- basically rehabbed herself back. But now she is like the person she's like, she can't, she can't mess with pizza. She can't mess with uh-huh. like going out, you know, she, and it's like, it's literally the difference between like a Crohn's disaster and like being able to function yeah. for another 24 hours. And it's like, yeah, people can say whatever they want, but you know what? You're not, you're not going into bankruptcy because you owe your insurance. You're getting charged for a gallbladder removal surgery. And then the subsequent medication you have to take for that. And the complications that come with that, you're not on the SSRIs and until until people, the mainstream will never talk about it because they're all funded by the pharmaceutical companies. Right. But you know, people like you who are out there saying these things um, and really being brave and putting it out there, like the, I, I'm a strong believer that the more people that start to think like that, like front load your health costs because the yeah. back load is really really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you front load the health costs, you'll you'll have more money, you'll have more health, you'll just be happier and better yeah. off.
0: And the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't care if I have some multi million dollar house or trips or any of that. If I don't feel good, if I am not like my best, healthiest self, what good is any of that going to do? Like, my husband and I have this conversation all the time because he's started to get to the point where he doesn't want to go and get like, ice cream and he doesn't want to go get pizza like he's just like just can you just cook the wild salmon at home can you just you know cook something at home for us i'm like sure i don't mind i love i love doing that that's fine because he's like i don't want to feel bad and we're just like as we get older as we get into our 40s we're like we don't want to feel like crap when we're older we want to be if we want to travel when we're 60s we don't want to have like fake knees and like a cane and just, you know, feeling like on all these medications and feeling like crap. And the more I dive into things, the more I talk to different doctors, people, experts, and just the more I learn, the more I see, you don't have to do that. That's, it's almost, it is a choice in a lot of regards.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, is now that humans are living longer, you know, again, like hundred years really kind of messed with a lot of things, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well now this is the learning curve. You know, we've Mm -hmm. never lived as long as we have before. And now you have like the, you have the, like the longevity movement, people that want to live to 150. Right. Yeah. So like, we have to learn how to live like this. We can't like, we can't eat like we did in the fifties. Yep. Um, you know, if we want to live to like, we started living to 70 in the fifties, but it was really ugly from like 40 on, you Yeah, know?
0: exactly. Yeah. but
1: now it's like, okay, so now we have to kind of reshape like how, okay. So if we want to live to 80, but not like be falling apart at 40, well, what do we do? Well, yeah, you right. gotta be, you gotta do all these new crazy things. And mm-hmm. in 30 years, they won't seem like crazy, but like, no, you, you have to go get your you, you have to go out and get sun. you have to fo- yeah. you have to cook your own food. You have to demand that if you yeah. go to a restaurant they cook your meat and butter and not vegetable oil. if you want to like not get these crazy like I like you know IBS and type yeah. 2 diabetes and all of these things.
0: Exactly. Yeah. My husband still thinks I'm a little bit insane, but he start, he's like, okay, well, you're, you're aging really well. Like he sees how a lot of other people in my family look starting at this age and even younger. And he's like, okay, if you need to go like cold plunge on the deck in your bikini and like 30 degree weather, fine, do it. If you, Cause I'll like literally stand outside soaking wet after I've been in a cold plunge, like just in a bathing suit on the deck. And he's like, you're going to die of hypothermia. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm strengthening my immune system. Like, this is a good thing, you know, and like wearing my blue blockers and all that stuff. And he's like, okay. Um, at some point he'll, he'll start wearing them. But for now I just have like screens covering up the TV. Like I bought some like protective screens. Mm. Um, yeah, you can buy those now if your family's like, Uh, not it's going to be stubborn and not wear blue blockers so i'm always like changing out the light bulbs and just doing uh, stuff that drives him crazy but he's just like look whatever you're doing is working so fine (laughs) right yeah that's
1: good stuff yeah yeah so kind of like circling back to you know carnivore-ish things Mm -hmm. um what are your, what are your go-tos for like some of these carnivore things? Are you like a ribeye person? Do you, do you get into like, kind of, you know, cause if you watch someone like Sean Baker, I, all I see that dude oh, eat is rib like ribeyes and, yeah. and maybe a pork chop. Right. Yeah. So I'm wondering like how you kind of mix things up because it, it almost seems like what stops people from getting into this is like the lack of variety.
0: Yeah. I really probably eat more of a variety of, Foods than most people do on the carnivore diet. I, every morning for breakfast, I'll have my breakfast casserole, which was like pastries, eggs and, um, you know, sausage, cheese that I've baked. Um, and I just bake that on a Sunday and eat that all week, like a square of it. I'll eat a lot of um, salmon roe. I try to have that four days a week. I think that's really important to get your DHA. I love sardines. I'll have sardines with like Primal Kitchen Mayo and some eggs for lunch. Um, of course, I do ribeyes. Um, I love ribeyes. That's probably my favorite cut. I like filet mignon as well. Those are really mm-hmm. good. Um, I do, I, I really do a lot of seafood. I've, a lot of people don't, they skip the seafood when they go carnivore. But the more and more I've kind of gotten into Jack Cruz's work, the more I'm like, at least four days a week, I'm eating seafood. So I'm not one of these like all beef people. I do have a really awesome um, local farm. And so I get these really great pasture-raised eggs. We get raw milk, we get raw cream, um, we get raw cheese, raw butter. So I include all those things in my diet, lots of egg yolks, And yeah, I'm not super strict, strict carnivore. I am during the winter, but now that it's starting to be spring and summer, I will kind of see what's available, what's seasonable and what's seasonal and start, you know, mixing up a little bit, maybe having some fruit here and there, maybe one or two days a week. Um, I'm not opposed to that. I'm more about eating um, local and seasonal. You know, these people that are like, You know, you have to have fruit for your thyroid and they eat fruit year round. I think that's completely a circadian mismatch. It's not good for you. Um, But if you want to eat some watermelon in the middle of the summer while you're sitting out in the sun, sure, you know, go for it because the UVB light is going to help to deplete the glycogen. Um, Your body can appropriately handle that in the middle of the day under UVB light. Absolutely. But not in the middle of December. So a lot of carnivore people would be like, oh, you know, for hearing me say that. But that's kind of where I've evolved to. Like I said, I did super strict, mostly all beef and eggs. I didn't even do any seafood for a couple of years. And I did have some deficiencies at the end of that. And I wasn't Mm -hmm. feeling my best. And so. That's when I added in the seafood. That's when I started doing a little more raw dairy and things like that. And then, like I said, last summer, when I just said, I'm going to try to have some carbohydrates and see how my body does. And I always, am like flipped back into ketosis the next day by like 11 a.m. No problem.
1: Got you. And what were your deficiencies?
0: Um, My omega-3, 6 ratio is ridiculous. Like I had like no omega-3s at all, wow. um, which some people are like, what, no big deal. But I actually, after talking with, um, Dr. Twyman, who's a, like a quantum cardiologist, he's like, that's actually a big indicator it's of pretty big deal. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not good for you. Like my sixes were off the charts and my threes were like minimal. Um, and I think a lot of carnivores, if they tested that, they would probably be in a similar situation. So that's why mm-hmm. I do make the seafood a priority for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I had issues with my creatinine and my blood urea nitrogen was really high. And I think that's because I was eating just way too much protein and not enough fat. Um, And I also still was having some gut issues. So I had to kind of dial in my digestion a bit better with a few, like adding in HCL, adding in some digestive enzymes that helped quite a bit um, Mm -hmm. to bring those numbers down. And then just adding in more butter, um, beef fat, beef suet and taking the protein, you know, some carnivores will eat like 200 grams of protein per day. I probably eat closer to like 90, um, mm-hmm. which people go, Oh, that's low. I'm like, that's not low. It's not low, not low at all, but no. that's more where I stick to is like probably around 90 grams of protein per day. So I don't really eat. Like if you go search carnivore diet, like on Instagram and you look at the plates of food, mine, I'm different than that. Now I used to be like that, but then I was like not optimal kidney function, not optimal, um, uh, Omega three to six, just some, some things that on paper looked bad. I felt fine, but it was like on paper, this is kind of a warning sign that things could go out of whack in the future.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's interesting to like make that observation because at the end of the day, like the carnivore diet, it's still a fairly new concept. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I do see like a lot of people in like, diet should not become religion you know right. it should become oh. yeah. it should become like your just what you do right and you mm-hmm. should treat it like you do anything else where you go hey i'm gonna do it it's an experiment mm-hmm. and then see where it goes and yeah be honest with your with your blood work like yeah uh, whoever says omega-3s are not important is uh <laughs> is not like on board with what <laughs> real health is right. like what are you talking about yeah you know um so yeah it's like not letting it become religion and being flexible like just thinking about watermelon on a hot summer day. Like,
0: yeah. Doesn't that sound amazing?
1: (laughs) It's amazing. I just finally found like here in Puerto Rico, like, uh, like a watermelon that was grown locally. And nice. like with seeds and everything, it was oh yep. my god! I haven't had a watermelon that good in so long, right? Yeah, I didn't and, even
0: have watermelon last summer, but I definitely plan on it this summer because we have them seasonally here in Georgia. So yeah, I'll be having some peaches. I'll have watermelon. I'll have yeah, we've got some great peaches here too. So yeah, of course, I'm, I'm doing it this year.
1: <laughs> How can you be in Georgia and not eat freaking peaches?
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And fruit is like the the funniest thing to me because I always have like I. I hate when I hear people demonize fruit. I'm like, oh are gosh. you out of your effing mind? Like it's yeah. like candy. No, it's not like candy at all. What are you effing talking about? It's completely different. It's right. it's I don't know. Does candy have fiber? Does right. candy have all of these <laughs> other vitamins and minerals that are like perfectly compounded by nature to right. work synergistically together in your body to produce, you know, minerals and, you know, yeah. to, to help all of your digestion. Like there's so many benefits, to fruit it's like you're you're effing out of your mind these some of these keto people it's like crazy it's like look like you you can just stop it you can stop trying to impress me i don't care okay like i'm on board with what you're saying like i'm on board with ketosis i'm on board with fat and protein and look i'm on board but then you just take it to that next level yeah where you start talking bad about fruit and i go you lost me
0: well the thing is some people are just like oh um you know, I'm not metabolically healthy, so I shouldn't have fruit. And I'm like, the way you get metabolically healthy is that eventually you develop metabolic flexibility. You want to mm-hmm. be able to switch back and forth from ketosis to glucose. Like that was what I did last summer. And I actually do think it helped me to drop some of that 30 pounds because I started getting my metabolism more healthy. Like like I said, I could be in deep ketosis on a Friday, saturday have baked potato have some fruit whatever you know healthy carbs sunday morning test my ketones by 11 a.m they're over a 1.0 again like i'm back in it real quickly so i can go from deep ketosis to not to back in it and like that i think is more of an ideal way that our metabolism should operate rather than always in ketosis you know Mm -hmm. i think that some people that are just always in ketosis end up not necessarily having the same issues as somebody who's like diabetic like only glucose but it's just like their body is only good at that one thing and i think having that variability actually is good for your body i think it is good for your metabolism for your gut all of those things and i think that that's where a lot of the keto people miss the boat honestly yeah
1: and um i've had this conversation this dude uh ben azadi who uh, does oh yeah uh, i know ben yeah uh, keto camp. He's super cool. Yeah. And he t- like,
0: yeah, I was like yeah, kind of click keto flex. This is, his yeah, book. yeah. He, he's yeah. all
1: about keto, um, flexibility and metabolic mm-hmm. flexibility. And I was like, really trying to, you know, like, just like pull the propaganda out of him. Like, come on, man. He's like, no, he's like, I believe in like you got to go back and forth. Like, you can't just be in ketosis all the time. And I I've been saying that forever. Like, I from the moment I heard about ketosis, I also like was like, well, let's see the counterpoints of this. And the right. counterpoint is like, yeah, you you need your you need your um pancreas to produce insulin. You know, like you need, you need to have that response. Your body, your cells need to know how to respond to glucose, right? Your body needs to know how to respond to glucose. Like that's nature, you know, that's like how, yeah, you don't want to eat bagels in the morning. Yeah. You don't want to eat ice cream at night. Of course. Right. You don't want to eat potato chips, but like fruit, potatoes, you know, starchy carbohydrates, Throw those in, and you're going to be okay. Especially if you are like more kind of on the ninety percent high fat, high protein. Mm -hmm. You know, you feel satiated. You'll feel it in your body. Like you could, and you could even go out and you could have a soda, and you could Mm -hmm. have like a a ice cream from Baskin Robbins or whatever. And your body's not going to go crazy. Your body's going to be like, yeah, we know what this is. We know how to deal with this. And you could be somewhat normal.
0: Yeah, this this year, like I said, this year has been the year that I've kind of. Strayed away from the strict carnivore diet dogma mentality. Like at at Christmas this year, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to eat whatever I want today. Like I'm going to have the cinnamon roll. I'm going to have the dessert, whatever. And I did. And I was fine. Like I did not gain 10 pounds. The next day, I just got back onto what I was doing, you know, got into the cold plunge of, of course, first thing to get the inflammation down. But it wasn't this like giant disaster for my body, for me to have some things that I just kind of wanted to have that I don't normally have this one day, it wasn't a big deal. And it didn't send me off into a three or four month binge. Like a lot of people say it, it just, it wasn't that way for me. Um, it's, it's taken me a very long time. I think mentally to get to that place where I'm not in this all or nothing mentality where it's like, Oh, if I have this one day, I have to have it every day. Um, So there's definitely some mental work that's happened with that. But on a physical level, my body recovered just fine. It wasn't some huge disaster where I felt like crap for a full week. It was like, yeah, do a cold plunge, maybe get a little extra movement, drink a little extra water, have a steak with butter. Cool. You know, and we're fine. So I think, people catastrophize, they fear. And I honestly feel like it's, like I said, it is a matter of doing the mental work around the food of like, why do you feel the need to self-medicate with the food? What's the emotion Mm -hmm. around the bagel or the, you know, the cinnamon roll or whatever, what, what's going on there, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I, I feel like I have to be a defender of fruit. That's how I feel. You got to be a defender of fruit and potatoes. Like that's just, that's just personal to me. Um, I actually am very happy that you mentioned, um, HCL and, um, digestive enzymes because, uh, you know, I think that can really help somebody who is like is transitioning into eating more animal products oh, because yeah, the fact is, is most people's digestion, like, of course, if you have a whole lifetime of eating terribly and then you start developing these digestive disorders and, you know, acid reflux, um, mm-hmm. GERD, uh, H pylori, like these things are real and they're so prevalent with like, if you don't have an actual gut diagnosis, but you feel like crap, there's a good chance like GERD is following there in some way. So, um, I just think that people just naturally need that help and then it could help you really start to digest better these animal proteins and Mm -hmm. then, and, and animal fats as well. And then it can make the whole transition easier. And then not to mention you get more of the actual nutrition from the food.
0: Yeah, it's. it was huge for me. And I wish that I had started supplementing earlier. Um, and I know so many people that start carnivore that they haven't been eating a ton of meat. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to be able to digest that. You're not going to have enough stomach acid. You're not going to extract the nutrients. You're not going to get the full benefits of the diet because your digestive system is broken. And after we hit the age of 35, we naturally make less stomach acid. We naturally have less enzymatic function. Most people trying the diet are over 35. And so they've they've already got that strike against them as well as not really digest, being used to digesting that much animal protein. And so- people come to carnivore or a more keto diet and they have either loose stools or they have constipation. It's it's usually one or the other. And I'm like, both of those usually can be pretty easily handled if you just add some HCL before your meals and take some enzymes with the meals. Like I see so many people that are like, Oh, that's so much better. I'm like, yeah, just, I know we all want to kind of not take supplements and do this whole all natural ancestral thing, but On the same token, to get there, sometimes you need some support to allow your body to adjust.
1: Yeah, for sure. So just kind of winding down here, um, the podcast, I'm curious, I always have to ask people this because it's a nootropics channel. Um, Are there any supplements um, and or nootropics um, and or biohacking products that you particularly um, are using right now or, or that you like or you recommend for people you work with?
0: Um, I always like just going back to the digestive support, the healthy gut products are my favorite. Um, I have the owner, Steve onto my channel, like once a month to talk about a different topic. Um, but I can't do without the enzymes. Like I've tried so much to, to not, you know, I'm like, Oh, let me just see how I do without them. I just don't feel my best without the digestive enzymes. So I do love those. Um, and then upgraded formulas, magnesium is, I can't live without that one either. Like, cause my sleep is just so much better with that one. Um, and I do regularly do a hair tissue mineral analysis just to make sure I still need it. Um, and luckily I, st- I have needed it every time I still do the test, but, um, yeah, those are the two that I really am not willing to give up, um, as far as supplements go, And then like nootropics, I'm pretty much just like sunshine, cold plunging. Those those are my natural nootropics that I use.
1: Love it. Yeah, that's, to be honest, that's why I started this whole channel because the conversation around nootropics is so bad with like people just constantly just trying to add more and more stuff. And I said, no, man, we got to like, you got to get yourself kind of tear it all down and just try to do as much with as little as you can, you know? So like how many people are just not getting enough sunshine? How many people are not getting enough cold exposure or sauna exposure, you know, like just these two things alone, like you'll realize real quick, you get enough sunshine. You don't need five HTP. No, you don't need L-tyrosine, right? Like you're going to make enough serotonin and dopamine. Yep,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: So, yeah. And then real quick with the enzymes and the HCL, how do you like to use that? Like timing wise, when you, um, when you eat, like I find for me, like I like digestive bitters. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'll take those like kind of 10 to 15 minutes before I eat the enzymes I used to take also like 15 to 20 minutes before I eat, but now I actually find I have better results when I take them kind of like just when I start the meal. Um, so I'm curious, like how you do your regimen with that stuff.
0: Um, when I take HCL, which I'm, I'm doing a pill stop with those right now, I haven't been taking those, but when I do, I usually take those kind of like as I'm preparing the meal, because that's Mm -hmm. usually when your body's going to start making stomach acid. So I'll take some of those as I'm preparing the meal and the enzymes I actually will take halfway through my meal. So I'll just stop eating halfway with as little water as possible, obviously, and then take those and then finish the meal.
1: You say, obviously, and it's obvious well, to me, but ago, just... this is like another thing that I watch and I'm like, is anybody counting this? Like <laughs> you shouldn't be, don't drink anything while no, you eat, right? No, like, no. It, 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 like, again, like I say, obviously, right. And I'm like, right. yeah, duh but I had to learn that too. And I think like, man, like just these little tricks, like these Mm -hmm. little things like that. And if you say to somebody like, what are you drinking while you eat? They're like, I drink a soda while I eat, or I'll drink water while you're like, don't do that. Don't Don't
0: do that. Just
1: try not to do that. And you'll be amazed at how much better your digestion works.
0: Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah. So cool. Sarah, this has been such a fun conversation. I'm so happy I was able to connect with you here. Um, I'd love to send all my viewers, listeners, your way to check out your channel. Again, I think if they, if they made it all the way through this conversation, they're going to love more of the stuff that you got, even if they made it halfway, they're going to love, you know, checking out your channel. So, um, you know, where can people go to find you online? If they want to connect you, if they want to work with you, um, where would you send people?
0: Yeah. My uh, main hub where I'm probably the easiest to get a hold of is over on Instagram and it's just at carnivore.yogi. And then my YouTube channel, if you just search carnivore yogi on YouTube, it'll pull up my channel with all my interviews. I also have a podcast on Apple and Spotify and all the things called the carnivore yogi podcast that updates weekly. Um, yeah, so those are the best ways. And I have done some webinars on quantum health. I'm doing another one, um, this coming Sunday, podcast probably won't be out by then, but I I've been doing a lot of webinars lately, just educating people more on quantum health and how they can use these things like the sun circadian rhythms, um, to dial in their hormones and actually lose weight without doing all the macro tracking, calorie tracking, Mm -hmm. how to use blue blockers, how to mitigate your light environment. Um, all that stuff is kind of my new passion that I've been doing more webinars about. So that you can usually find the links to my webinars and even the replays over on my Instagram in the bio.
1: Love it. I'm going to make sure to to uh, link with all that stuff as I... Send out the show notes and in the description of the podcast and make okay. sure people connect with you. So, um, Sarah, like I said, this was a blast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope everybody enjoyed what they heard. Make sure, listener view, you go check Sarah out on Instagram and over on YouTube and check out her podcast as well. And for all things holistic nootropics, head on over to holisticneutropics.com. Until next time, peace.
0: Thanks for listening. For more brain boosting info, in depth articles, and show notes, check out HolisticNeutropics.com.